Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. And as I promised, every week we're going to have a really exciting conversation today on a, another hot trend, which is called haptics. Um, and we've talked about haptics before, but haptics is really having a heyday, I would say, right now. Um, and that that is this idea that things, that objects, that uh, you know, gaming and all these different devices that we're using actually are um, creating a, a feeling of vibration. They're, they're allowing you to feel or sense their presence in your life. And we'll get um, into a, a much better explanation of that in a moment. But I want to introduce our guest this week, David Burbaum, who's the director of UX design at Immersion Corporation. And David is an expert in um, haptic experiences and has been working in haptics for over 10 years. So let's have a big tech hat welcome for David Burbaum. Thank you. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hi, thanks, Lori. Appreciate the introduction. Um, welcome to the show. So give us a good definition of haptics because I definitely kind of botched it, but everybody's been experienced haptics. They may not um, really even know that it's its own category of uh, technology and has been around for a long time and and now sort of taking a, a, another role um, now that everything is connected. But But explain to us what haptics is. Sure, sure. Um, I'd just like to start by saying thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. I think it's a great place for uh, information on emerging trends in technology and how they intersect with media and entertainment. And it's a really exciting time for all of that because there's so much um, kind of frothy action going on where there's new new types of experiences that people can have um, that they maybe didn't even know was possible before. Um, So I just want to start by saying uh, I'm kind of on the the show today as uh, as an expert and as an individual, um, and what I sp- speak about today is not necessarily the the viewpoint of Immersion Corporation. Um, but I have been working um, at Immersion for ten years and another five years before that doing haptics. Um, and so haptics is a catch-all word. Um, it doesn't um, mean one thing, and that's unfortunate that we have this catch-all word. Um, that refers to a lot of different facets of human experience, um, mostly having to do with the sense of touch. Um, so haptics are the uh, haptic perception is the way that we experience the world through our bodies, through active body movement and exploration. And so you could imagine that um, you have this kind of, if you close your eyes, you have a map of the room around you that goes beyond just pictures, you actually could imagine what it would be like to move your body through the environment. You have a feeling, okay, there's a barrier over there that's solid. This is a doorknob. I could turn that with my hand to open the door and get through the door. Um, So this is your haptic perception. And in the past century, century and a half, technology has developed to the point that um, your visual cortex and your your, um, perception of audio are accessible um, and are manipulable by illusions. So you can make a person hear a sound that isn't really there. You can make a recording of a musician and the musician can be long gone or long dead and their recordings live on, their musical performances live on and we can have those audible experiences whenever we want. 
Um, and then visuals came online with uh, film and television, um, you know, now high definition video streams. And so we're used to the idea as a culture that these two other modalities have been kind of um, compromised or like able to be simulated. You can no longer trust your eyes, right? Like it used to be like, well, if you see a picture of it, it's real. Then we learned that, no, you can manipulate that. Um, so, so those are, those are like, we're accept, we accept now that those are manipulable and you can make really interesting experiences. You can make misleading experiences. Um, you can make compelling entertainment experiences with them, but the sense of touch has largely been kind of left out of all of that. And so because we don't have access through media to our sense of touch for the most part, um, Kind of in the culture, we still have this um, uh, this conceit that the sense of touch is correlated with reality to some extent. That like, if you can touch it, it must be real. And you can see this encoded in uh, in you know phrases like, um, "Pinch me, I'm, I'm am I dreaming? Pinch me, right?" And right, so that right. what you're implying with that is, okay, if I can see it, it might be a hallucination. If I can hear it, it might be a hallucination. But if I can feel it, it's real. So tell me if it's real by, by giving me a tactile sensation. And so that that's a deeply felt um, kind of presumption that we have or, or assumption that we have. And what haptic technology does is it, it co-opts that. It messes with that sense of reality. And so that's why um, haptics is not, haptic technology is not just a new medium of expression to rival video and audio, I would say it even might blow them out of the water in, in the terms of its significance to kind of human experience because um, the sense of touch is unique in the sense that, well, all the senses are unique, but the sense of touch is the oldest sense. Um, it, it developed first in evolutionary terms, so it's old in terms of evolution, but then it's also the first to develop in the womb. So it's the first kind of sensory input that we get as beings. Uh, and so it's a very primal, very instinctive sense. And when you can access it with digital networks and digital synthesis, let's say, you can make people feel arbitrary touch sensations. That is an extremely powerful concept that goes to the core of what it means to be human. Oh, that's a really beautiful way to explain this. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, your average person has experienced haptics Maybe if they've been playing a game, um, maybe if they've been using a device that vibrates back to tell them something, to communicate something to their brain. But what to me is so interesting about it now is that now that now that everything is connected and now that everything that devices are taking on sort of a more independent role in our lives than they ever have before, haptics becomes a really important tool for the, the builders of these devices to use, right? To provide that deeper experience that you are communicating. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's exactly right. So, I mean, up until now, so yes, your audience has heard, has used haptics before, although they may not know it. Um, haptics has appeared in, um, for a long time in kind of advanced human machine interfaces like um, flight simulators, um, surgical simulators, um, these, you know, these kinds of, of 
kind of like mission critical interfaces where you absolutely need to be sure that when you push the button, uh, the response of the machine is going to take place. And so you need that tactile response or you need force feedback to be able to feel the forces of the airplane as you're learning how to fly before you actually fly a real airplane. Um, so that's been around since, well, maybe 50, 60, 70 years. Um, in consumer electronics, haptics appeared in gaming with um, first uh, joysticks and steering wheels that give tactile and force feedback as you try to turn the wheel. It might feel, it might resist your 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 turning of the wheel because of the road that you're on, etc. Um, that was you know starting in early video games, and then it became uh, kind of reduced to this idea of rumble for the home console market, where you have rumble in game controllers and this adds a, an element of immersion to uh, video games and it does it it, it does I, I believe I mean I, I'm a bit of a gamer I'm no expert but when I play games I I can't imagine the game without the haptics because it just kind of grounds you in in the moment in this way that you know it just you need it to feel extra present um, and then in mobile phones um, you know kind of the well, first with pagers, this idea that you could get a notification and it could be personal to you. It wouldn't be audio. Other people don't have to hear it. So we put a vibration motor in pagers and then that carried over to mobile phones. And then because there was already this haptic system in mobile phones, um, we had the opportunity to kind of develop new applications for haptics on mobile phones. So things like keyboards where you can feel a key press even though you're touching a touchscreen or you're playing a mobile game and you can feel the action of the game. Um, you can you know, feel uh, if you're using the phone to unlock your, your door, you can feel a key going into a lock and turning and unlocking the door. All those types of things are, are being done now and are possible. Um, so that's kind of the consumer uh, version of this. Well, I love, the um, again, the explanation of it, because I think so many of us experience it and we don't think about it uh, as a separate thing. And we're going to have to take a, a break in a moment. But I also wanted to bring up that you know, you are the um, UX design director at Immersion. So you're really looking at how people experience the haptic, like not not only to create haptics, but how how what that translates to be. Is that correct? Yes, we're, we're trying to resolve the question of, okay, what do I do? How do I use haptics effectively? What I'm actually trying to accomplish in the first place, is it getting people's attention? I mean, that's quite easy. You can vibrate somebody's skin and get their attention, but it won't be a pleasant experience. And sometimes you don't want it to be a pleasant experience. You want it to be uh, something that communicates urgency and importance and and draws the person's attention away from whatever they're doing towards the thing you want them to pay attention to. You see this in automotive interfaces you know, that where the, the uh, steering wheel vibrates when you kind of wander over a lane line without using your turn signal. Um, this is not a good, this does not feel good, but it, it gets your attention. And that's that's exactly the, the kind of the design goal. But then you also want to create haptic experiences that are pleasurable or that are meaningful to people or that provide a sense of presence with your friends so that you can feel that you're present with others. So these are the kinds of things that our, our team looks at is what you use haptics for in order to accomplish a particular design goal. Huh, I love I love all of that. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take a break now. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit um, to you, David, about um, how you see haptics now rolling out um, into the consumer marketplace in, in a different way um, than they have before. You know, and why now? And what are some of the trends that are bubbling up in this space? And certainly I've had the opportunity to see some of the things that you guys are working on, um, including um, some advertising solutions where 
haptics become part of the storytelling of the ad on the phone, which, you know, is just, it's a mind blow how your brain works and turns that vibration into part of the story. So we'll get more into that. So we're going to be back in a moment with David Burbaum, who's the director of UX design at Immersion Corporation and an expert in creating haptic experiences. More on the Tech Cat Show. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody. And we are back talking to David Burbaum, who is an expert in haptics experiences. And as um, David was explaining, haptics is that sense of touch, which is now being rolled out to all of the different connected devices and experiences that we're all um, we're all experiencing in the 
Internet of Things world that we're all living in. And haptics have been part of games and other things for many years, but they're really taking, a, um, I think, a front-runner role now um, in a lot of experiences. So, David, what are some of the trends that you're seeing in haptics now, um, especially because you're someone that's leading what that experience is like for your company? You know, um, what are some of the things that are bubbling up in in, uh, in this world? Yeah, there's a few trends that are really relevant. I mean, one is just this trend towards immersive media and immersion in media being the goal of many content creators. Um, because, uh, you know, the economics of content is really that engagement drives money, right? You want people to engage with your platform or your content so that you can sell ads against it or that you can, you know, gain kind of um, daily active users or whatever it may be. So your goal is is engagement. And then you have a limited number of ways of getting people engaged. People have amount of, some amount of time and they have some amount of like sensory input and you can um, access sensory input over time. And, you know, if, if they spend more time engaging with your content, that's a good thing. Um, if they spend more, if they are more immersed in your content, that is also a good thing. And the reason is because when you have more sensory input, whether it be higher resolution visuals, so like, you know, this uh, transition from SD uh, video to HD to 4K, HDR goes on and on, because we're always trying to access more like rods and cones in your eyes in order to get people to... Uh, engage with the content, enjoy the content. So that's how that works in vision. Um, and then we have similar trends in audition. And then in haptics, this is this new tool that we can use to access yet more sensory input. Um, so, so what we're seeing is because haptics, uh, because haptic devices are now out there in the world, we don't have to think so hard about how do we deploy these. Um, these new devices with haptics, how do we get people to buy them? It's like they're buying them already. They're buying phones, they're buying uh, cars, they're buying game controllers. Just for a few examples of where there are haptic actuators, actuators are the the, part, the little components that move that actually stimulate you. These are, these are out there in the world. There's billions of them. People walk around with a haptic um, device in their pocket every day. So the trend now is, okay, we're out of the let's get mindshare phase, the, the phase where we're trying to convince people to, to, to buy devices that have this capability. Now it's how do we use it to drive engagement? And um, one example of that is something that Immersion has been involved with in the past, which is you, using haptics to enhance video ads on the phone. So you have a, a, a video ad, a short form video ad that you have on your mobile phone and you have haptic um, uh, patterns that accentuate story points in the piece. So um, you're following either the visuals or the audio or the story points and you are using kind of shaped forms of vibration that feel more like textures or patterns um, to draw people into the story, to get them to understand what the marketing message is or what the message is of the piece. And we see, we've done some interesting research in brain science and neuromarketing where um, we can see that people are more likely to recall a message that they saw in a video if there was a haptic track associated with that video than not. So this is something that's extremely powerful. I mean, if your goal as a content creator is to get people to pay attention, engage, remember your message, here's a tool um, that is extremely 
uh, efficient at doing that and probably underutilized. So you would also get some like first mover advantage by by adopting this type of thing. So um, that's one thing is kind of this idea that content can be um, can be enhanced. Uh, and so, yeah, another thing is the, the the hardware is getting better. So I just said everyone has the hardware. Well, that's true, but the hardware is getting better and better. So um, we're seeing this trend towards what we call HD vibration. So yes, in the world of haptics, we also have a, distinguish, uh, a, a distinction between HD and SD. Um, SD vibration tends to be vibration that it, where where the frequency and the magnitude are tied together so that they're they're, they're coupled. So if you want to play a stronger vibration. Um, it's going to, uh, uh, frequency is going to follow strength or it's really, really resonant so that you only play one frequency and you can't really play any other frequency. And that frequency is usually, um, something that you don't want to feel buzzing you every day because it's just one frequency and it gets to be annoying. I mean, imagine, um, you know, with the one note Samba aside, imagine that you had to listen to a song and you only had one frequency in the entire song and all you could play with is the pattern of that one frequency. You would have no pitch, you would have no harmony, um, no melody, and there would, it would be very, very flat. And so that's kind of what hap most haptic devices in the world can do today. Um, now, having said that, it's not a terrible situation because those haptic devices are still capable of playing patterns. Those patterns can be synchronized to video streams and audio streams. And that is very effective. Like I said, we've done this brain research that shows that that's effective. But what's really exciting is in this next era, we're seeing um, we're seeing the dawn of this new era where the hardware is really improving. You can play different frequencies um, at the same time. You can also play frequency independent of magnitude. Um, and further afield, as we move forward, maybe in, you know in the next decade, we're seeing things like we're going to be able to change the texture of a flat piece of glass on the top of a tablet um, programmatically, or we're going to be able to beam haptics through the air. These kinds of things are still being experimented with, but um, there is a kind of a bright future for them. So um, it's also an exciting time where like new hardware is enabling new experiences. And then that in turn m makes our team think, okay, well, if that's possible, then how do you apply that to advertising, marketing? How do you apply it to filmmaking? Um, how do you apply it to social media? How do you get? How do you use this to communicate? So, that's kind of what's going on today. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it's um, it's. I think it's a really exciting time because, like I said, the, the first time that I watched one of those commercials um, and the phone vibrated, and I, what I was amazed about, and you, you've talked about this, is how your brain does what it does because the vibration is actually to your point, only coming from one part of the phone, but it felt like it was coming, it was happening in the image area where the yeah. action had happened. And yeah. that, that's just a mind blow that your brain does that. Yeah, you're constantly integrating multiple different sensory streams into a picture of the world. And it's there's a lot of interpolation that goes on. In other words, um, if you take really the raw streams of data that you're receiving, um, you know, they don't add up to kind of the stable objects that we perceive around us. Our brain does a lot of work to stitch everything together. It makes a lot of assumptions. And if you know what those assumptions are, then you can exploit them, frankly. You can create illusions and and um, experiences that just seem to work and for people. They, they just seem to be very, like, um, I guess, primal and instinctive and, and natural for people. 
Uh, I love that. What What is it going to take then on the technology side? Um, and I remember a couple of years ago, the ability um, for these video commercials to, you know, have the haptic experience was only on Android phones. Is that still the case or are they on all sorts of devices? Like when will a lot of this haptic functionality be ubiquitous, you know, so that we're, we all are expecting it? Moving yeah, forward? sure. Yeah, no, it's I, I would I would love to have an answer for you. Um, <laughs> it's 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 really about business dynamics at this point. Um, you know, the technology's there. It's 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 fairly evenly distributed in the world as, as far as these things go. Um, and now it's a question of, okay, um, you know, how, who, to whom do you give access to the haptic system on a device and why? And what's what are the, like, the economics around that? I mean, the other thing about haptics is that it is personal and it, it affects your body. It's like, you know, I've talked a couple times about how you can easily overwhelm somebody's haptic sense. You can overwhelm them visually. You could be like you're on the web and there's this really obnoxious banner ad getting your attention by flashing and you're like, oh, close the tab. Like you can do that. But uh, it kind of maybe is m- more of a um, prevalent problem in haptics just because um, the sense of touch tells us about danger. It tells us about the state of our own bodies. It's a very kind of nuanced, sensual um, uh, modality. And so, you know, you don't necessarily, um, you, you could kind of ruin the party by, by inviting the wrong guest. Or you could, you know, if you, if you give all advertisers, you know, this very low barrier to entry, they can just buzz you whenever they want. You, you are starting to hate your phone. Like nobody wants that. The phone manufacturers don't want that. The content people don't want that either. So um, I think there's a question of like how to build out a, a content distribution system and you know the architectures for um for that so that people can can control their own haptic experience um and also can can be served high quality haptic design right it's a lot it's a lot to think about it's just such a different world we're entering all right we're going to talk about how haptics are showing up um in other places as well in a moment when we come back to the show with david burbaum who's an expert and the UX design and and the creation of haptic experiences, which is um, a new area for for many of us, but but not not a new area because it's been around for so long. And it's a really fascinating idea that now you will feel everything. Um, so we'll be back in a moment with David Burbaum on the Tech Cat Show. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. 
Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more, not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we are back, and we've been talking to David Burbaum, who's the director of UX design at Immersion Corporation, and has really been an expert in creating haptic experiences for over the last 10 years. And I was just asking David, he was explaining how haptics are rolling out um, in our mobile phones and some of the you know ways it's being used, but I was just curious, like, how are haptics being used in other ways? Because I had an opportunity at um, a show called Augmented World Expo this year to go up to a, what they're calling, a, it's a 3D screen, the old 3D screens, but um, stereoscopic. So you stand in front of it at a certain angle and, you know, everything is coming out at you. And it was a uh, game where I was grabbing some some objects and I actually was able to, f- like, feel the objects because of haptics. Yeah, um, yeah. And I don't even know how they did it, but it was a mind blow. So it was a combination of, like... AR and 3D and haptics and all of that. So I, I'd be curious yeah. to hear from you. Where where is this all going? Yeah, isn't that funny though? I just want to say because you're like, okay, the stereoscopic screen. So that's crazy already. It's projecting 3D objects out in front of you that aren't there. Yes. And then you reach out and had this haptic experience, and the haptics probably weren't super high resolution, right? They were like you could feel that there was something there, but it didn't feel like holding something, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's so. I mean, that's just again. It just illustrates this point that like we just don't assume that haptics are accessible to illusion. You know, we just we don't think that like that's a that that's in the realm of possibility. And so it's such a powerful medium. So yeah. So so immersion and you know what we do is certainly concerned about AR and what the haptic experience should be for these kinds of projected objects um, that that aren't really there. Um, because AR augmented reality is, you know, it's, it's, it's enjoying a lot of, uh, kind of investment and, and, um, 
development right now. Frankly, most of that stuff is on the mobile phone also right now. And and a lot of the success that AR is finding is is these is within the context of these mobile apps that people are downloading to have like brand or media experiences or you know shopping for furniture or whatever it may be. And that's fine. Um, but that's also kind of I think it's a bridge to true AR where you're going to have um, virtual objects mixed with real objects. And um, you know the the eventuality is that these virtual objects will be all around you. They'll be perfectly integrated with real objects. And so you're going to be faced with a situation where um, you enter a room and some of that stuff is physical, is atoms, and some of it is bits. And it all looks the same and it all serves you, you know, in a different, in a certain way that you, that you enjoy and that's why you keep it in the room. Um, but some of it you can touch and interact with through your body and some of it you can't. And, and that's a real problem because as humans, we expect that the world is accessible through our bodies. So what we're thinking about is how do you make, how do you touch things that aren't really there? Like, how do you make a haptic experience for, for the eventuality of true mixed reality or augmented reality? Um, and so we believe that there's a few different ways that can be done. You know, there's wireless haptics. Um, uh, ungrounded haptics that can be transmitted through the air and things like that. Um, we're very interested in wearables right now. Um, I think that you know, with the advent of smart clothing and exotic materials that can uh, move and are eventually going to be very low power, um, you're going to be able to kind of access people's sense of touch through what they're wearing, whether it be a watch or a ring or clothing, jewelry, things like that. And so. Um, kind of what we are, what we've been talking about recently in AR is how you could create a a ring that is um, able to squeeze and twist and flutter on your finger, so it goes beyond vibration and it lets you kind of touch things that aren't really there with your finger, like reaching out in front of you. We we have some interesting prototypes um, for those types of experiences. So that that that's kind of really exciting to me because it's it's I think it's anticipating a real problem and. And we're making some progress in against it. Well, I think that's such an exciting world. Um, the other area of uh, what I would lump into haptics, I don't know if you do, you know, are all the um, the D-Box chairs and also, um, oh my gosh, I forget the name of the other company that's making the chairs that are in movie yeah. theaters and in home theaters yeah. uh, that um, HP and Dell and Intel have all been creating these fantastic VR um, experiences on. Um, yeah, yeah. That, you know, that, that is a whole fascinating world. Do you guys include that as part of, you know, what you're looking at too? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. So there's D box. It's a, it's a great company and they, they, they've been doing this a really long time and they have a lot of experience with tools and kind of working even with creatively with directors and you should go talk to them. Fascinating. There's also the Voyager, uh, the Voyager chair made by a company called Pro, Proton, I believe. Positron, Positron. Positron. That's right. Positron. Yeah, tech. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's also kind of a motion, a motion chair. And um, yeah, I, I actually um, had the, the their latest experiences were at this film festival that you and I were just at, the Infinity Film Festival. And um, something that that really struck me is I think it was a piece about the new uh, movie about the moon landing, the first yes, man. Yes, yes, um, first man. Yeah. Yeah, and did you do that one? I didn't. I didn't get to do it because I was, you know, working. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, but I but I heard it was amazing. Yeah, no, it was. And and there was this one moment that I just thought was was worth highlighting. So it was great, but 
the thing that I realized was the way that that chair works is when you sit down in it, your feet are sit, it's low enough that your feet are touching the floor. And so you just feel like you're kind of sitting in a chair. Um, and then you put on the headset and the credits start and there's some, you know, introductory stuff about the experience you're about to have. And then when the experience starts in earnest, the chair slowly lifts only a few inches probably up, but it's just enough that you feel your feet leaving the ground, you know? And this is, I found this to be profound because it was like, it really, th this little thing where your feet leave the ground was enough to make you feel like you were being uh, spirited away from from reality and into something completely different. And, you know, it's just, it just speaks to how important, how important haptics are, but how, how kind of easy or straightforward it is to do really amazing things. You know, it, it, you, you don't need to go as far, you don't need to distract yourself with the fact that, okay, haptics can't like make it feel like I'm, I'm holding a baseball. So I can't make my baseball VR game until the, the haptics are really there. Or like people are like, you know, when is my Ready Player One haptic suit going to be here so that I can truly be, um, visit the oasis and it's like well that's a that's a worthy goal and that, there are people working on that um but that's far away but today we can do really um powerful things with the haptics that we have so yes chairs are great motion motion platforms are are great that is that is something that we consider to be haptics um i think positron was also showing a different experience there where they actually had a little um a little aroma emitter inside their their next to their chair so that you could, as you were having a VR experience, you also had uh, senses of smell that were coming right. to you. And I thought that was, that was pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I yeah. think it's still kind of like a, maybe like a blunt instrument right now, but um, it, it, it certainly added something. I think there's a lot of potential there too. I, I wouldn't call that haptics. That's, that's something else, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's just the theatricality of where all this is going. And I've heard a lot of people compare it to live theater uh -huh, yeah, yeah. yeah, because you're involved. And, and now even taking live theater to that experiential theater, like Tony and Tina's wedding or all those other theatrical experiences where you're part of the show. So everything is involved, your head, your eyes, your hearing, um, all of it. Um, and, and that's where VR and AR and haptics are going too. is just, um, you know, creating these really insanely immersive experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's very interesting. So are you guys um, also, are you being approached by a lot of product manufacturing companies to layer haptics into objects that normally wouldn't have haptics, but now because they're connected and they're increasing in their functionality or at least in their ability to um, generate data and perform certain functions connected to to a consumer's bigger life story um mm -hmm. are you are you guys being approached by companies that you're surprised about oh um that we're surprised about i mean i, I wouldn't say surprised it, it's we get a, a lot of questions um kind of you know naive but not in a negative sense of that word just kind of like hey like i i know that this is important um and i i want to just you know add it to my device how do i do it um, we get those kinds of questions all the time. I think for me, the, the most, well, there, there, there's something I think that's, that's interesting that may or may not happen now that, now that VR is kind of, um, on the wane, it, it'll come back, but it's on the wane now. I think that's kind of the, the received wisdom, um, in the, at least the entertainment industry. Um, 
and that is the ability to connect with other people through immersive media. I think, you know, this idea that technology is somehow cold or distant, you know, those two words already point to the issue. Something's that, that those are both haptic words. You know, they're, they're, I feel distant from other people, or I feel like the devices are cold and unfeeling. You know, these are all haptic words. Um, and a lot of the kind of um, shortcomings that have recently been exposed uh, in the social media space, the shortcomings of those platforms and those architectures to allow people to develop functional human connections and bonds with each other. I mean, frankly, they don't do that very well. Um, and, and they are also coincidentally not um, incorporating any kind of like haptic experience or embodied experience with other people. And I don't think that's a coincidence actually at all. I think that the way that we relate to other people um, is through shared experience and the shared experience of being present in the same place Huh, that's, point. One that's extremely, you know, that facilitates connect human emotional connection. Uh, and there, there's another word connection, which is also a haptic word. Um, it facilitates human connection and, the, and this idea that you can reduce socialization, social behaviors to short strings of characters and little pictures of smiley and frowny faces is absurd on his face. We should have always known it was, um, but we didn't but notice, I think. <laughs> you know, and, and so that that for me, that's a really that's a big gaping hole, and and something that I want to be a part of resolving. How do you? Because because digital networks are powerful. I'm not saying we should go back to all face to face communication and and you know sending letters through the mail and these kinds of things. I, I'm not at all a luddite in that sense. Um, but I also think that digital networks have have failed to facilitate meaningful human connection um, because of the sensory bandwidth issue. Sensory bandwidth is is simply not high enough. Um, and by reintroducing a sense of touch to those interactions, I think we could make a lot of progress towards our goals. I, I love that, that the um, the bigger story behind what, what you're, um, you're saying, because I never really thought about it, like how LOL or a smiley face can like end a marriage. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it was, we did a, a few years ago now, we did a, a, an interesting user research study at Immersion. Um, where we talked to people who were hyper communicators in some way, and um, we interviewed them about, um, how, you know, how did they use their phone? How many phones did they have? Some people had many, many email addresses, friends all over the place. Um, and there's this, there's this one user that said, um, in one of the interviews, he said, "I could have avoided a fight by touching her hand." Oh wow! You know? Wow. Wait, well, um, you know what, David? We we have to take a really quick break. Sure, sure. Remember that sentence because that's I want to hear about this. <laughs> All right, we're going to be back in a moment with David Burbaum on the Tech Cat Show, getting into the exciting world of haptics. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. 
Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we're back with David Burbaum, who's the director of UX design at Immersion Corporation, and he's an expert in haptics, the sense of touch, as it's showing up now in all sorts of devices and experiences. Um, and you were just telling a really beautiful story that I kind of in- had to interrupt. But you you were saying I was I was saying how um, intense it is now that that an um, LOL could mean the difference between like breaking up a friendship or or something like that. And you you made a comment about some research you were doing. Yeah. Well. Yes. Just this this um this user that we spoke to he had this this quote that kind of survived uh, the project and we still kind of bat around on the team, which is. He said, I could have avoided a fight by touching her hand. Huh. So this idea that he, he, he was having some kind of, you know, um, dispute with his wife. And this was actually um, a voice call, I believe, that he was on. This wasn't even texting. It was like he was talking to, to his wife. And, you know, we think about the phone as voice calls as being, you know, basically like perfect verbal communication. But there are some issues with them, too. Um, and certainly the fact that people still, with all of our technology, we have so much and we think that we've kind of, you know, conquered this problem of human communication. And meanwhile, um, people have to fly across the planet to have business meetings all the time. Like what's Still, going on yeah. exactly? Yeah. You know? I mean, I've been using, um, I've been using Zoom a lot for, for business meetings, which, you know, I just think is just a great piece of video, voiceover okay. video, you know, um, protocol yeah. and, it, and it works great. But when you were talking, I was just thinking, but it would be great if, like, I had some sort of device in front of me or on my hand that buzzed if somebody wanted to send me a, a buzz. You know what I mean? Like, right. um, something to express, uh, you know, what human beings do so casually and um, automatically, you know, yeah. because cause I think about it, too. I'm like a hugger. And I touch people a lot in affectionate ways yeah. and in casual ways um, that you know, maybe in these days of Me Too, you know, people might think you shouldn't be doing that. But, you know, I'm definitely a hugger. So it's interesting to think, how do we break that out in a technology way? Absolutely. And um, yeah, like another thing that we we worked on a long time ago, um, which is one of my favorite projects, it was actually uh, born of the same set of user research uh, interviews that we did that I just referenced. Another one was there was this young lady who 
um, had a long distance relationship with her boyfriend. And she told us that she would sometimes call him and they would put the phones next to each other on the couch and watch TV together, burning minutes. Like this was in the days of when you had a certain number of minutes, right? And so minutes were very valuable. And she would just, she said, just having the line open with him, even if we're not really talking, we might, we might start by talking. Then I put him on speaker because the conversation dies. And we're just both on speakerphone sitting next to each other, watching TV together. I thought that was, you know, painfully, um, just like almost like a painfully beautiful story. And what we wound up doing for that, um, based on that inspiration, is we made a little app that lets you um, lean, put your fingers on the touch screen and move your fingers around the screen just a little bit. Little subtle movements could be seen on the other side as little light trails, like shimmering lights. And if you if the other person puts their fingers in the same place, then the lights kind of get brighter and there are like kind of nuanced tactile sensations that kind of match the patterns of the light. And um, we wanted it to be possible to sit next to somebody on the couch through the phone and feel their presence in kind of a, uh, you know, very like intimate emotional way that um, maybe doesn't even need very high haptic resolution. It just needs this um you know, this context, a context of a relationship and um, synchronization between visuals and haptics. Um, Because the same same, uh, prototype, we were showing at a trade show once, it's kind of a funny story. And I was explaining to this guy how it worked. And the other phone was around the corner in another part of our booth at a trade show. And I was like, you see that little light? That's the other person. Reach out and you you can touch the light and you can feel it. And he reached and touched it and he recoiled. He, he pulled his hand back. He's like, ooh, that's creepy. Because he just had the experience of touching another person's fingers that he, he didn't know. He had no idea who it was. And so that to me was like, uh, it totally, you know, reinforced the idea that it's an effective interface because you wouldn't want to do that with a stranger, just like you wouldn't want to touch someone's hand who you didn't know. Right, right, right. That totally makes sense. So it's like all these... Um normal human things that you have to sort of break down and label when you when you're looking at the bigger this bigger picture so yeah. so for for you what do you see down the pike in all of this um i know you're really interested in um you talked about where you hope this is all going um are you going to be speaking at any conferences or um anywhere where people can follow you and and just keep updated on what's happening in the space yeah, sure. So uh, next week, actually, is um, a conference called Smart Haptics, and it's the only, I believe, the only industry conference about haptics. There are other academic conferences, but this one is for companies um, that are actually working on these problems. Um, that's going to be down in San Diego on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. And then on Tuesday before the conference, I'm, I'm hosting a, a panel called Haptic Hollywood. And what I'm trying to do there is bring together people in the haptics industry who have done deals um, with the entertainment industry so that we can share our experiences and figure out like how we can thrive in that space. Cause a lot of us are kind of like less familiar with that space than we are with the kind of engineering side of things. Um, so that's all exciting. And then I'm also going to be doing a talk down there about haptic trend spotting. So a lot of these same um, topics are going to come up. Uh, and then as far as finding me later, I have a blog called contrarymotion.net. So you can find me on the web at contrarymotion.net. And uh, that's about it. I'm not on social media these days. You can find me on LinkedIn. I still have my LinkedIn. Yeah, it would be nice to, I think, you know, we're at the point in all of this where I think people want to understand what you can do with this. Because every time you mention something, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I just wouldn't have thought about it. 
Um, yeah. But I, I think that all content creators, and I think you're very smart to, you know, rap in Hollywood. I think all content creators need to understand that this is another tool in their toolkit, you know, and that they yeah. have to start to think about this because as our audience gets smarter, we're going to be needing to make sure that our experiences include this because if they don't, they won't be standard anymore when this becomes normal. Yes, absolutely. Well, and so I, I actually think that day's here now. I like to, I have, there's been this phrase I've been batting around is that your user experience or your piece of media is already haptic, okay? And the lack of haptics, an emptiness of haptics has a haptic quality all its own. You know, wow. I think that's kind of summarizing our discussion about social media too. It's like uh, an, a perceptual object that you cannot feel but you can see or hear has a quality to it all its own, a quality of, te- of um, imperna- impermanence, um, a quality of maybe like hallucination. And so um, I think your, 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 mobile, your mobile video ad, your film, it already is haptic. Even if you don't include haptics explicitly, that, that lack of haptics has a haptic quality all its own. Huh. That's another beautiful point as well. You're, you're also a philosopher, David, besides <laughs> expert... But I guess, you know, dealing in feeling, you, you yeah. become a bit of a philosopher, huh? In a yeah, way. like, well, what's interesting is when I first started studying this stuff, I went and, um, you know, as a good young student, I went, okay, how do I define my terms? And I went and looked up haptics and it opened up a total, you know, uh, tangle of concepts that I had to, I actually did have to read a lot of like philosophy and, and history um, to understand how people relate to their sense of touch in the West, in Western culture and in, in globally, in order to be able to create a picture of like what this medium is capable of doing. So yeah, there is a lot of that as, as part of like kind of our, our work. on. Team. Oh my God, that is such a great point because about 15 years ago, I remember hugging a Japanese client and uh-huh. sending the whole business into review <laughs> because they, they are not huggers. <laughs> yeah. Is this so, neat? yeah. Yeah. You're right. So there's cultural implications too. Well, there, this is a huge, a huge topic, but I think we're all very excited to get introduced to it by you. And we've been talking to David Burbaum, who's the director of UX design at Immersion Corporation. And he's been, uh, David's been creating haptic experiences for over 10 years, um, and he's and I forgot to mention this, but you also have um, patents, uh, over 60, 60 patents in the fields of user experience and wearables and all that, so it's, it makes sense um, where how all your, your expertise um, circles around this. Um, so this has been a great Tech Hat show, and we're going to be um, talking to more folks doing more interesting things. We're on the road to CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, where I give tours under the banner StoryTech. If you're interested in the tour, reach out. But we'll be um, hearing from more people like David and hopefully seeing people at the Consumer Electronics Show like David who are doing great things. So check out Immersion Corporation and David Burbaum, and we will be talking to you next week. Have a great week. I hope you get to to feel a lot. Right, David? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And thanks, Lori, for the opportunity. It was a great conversation. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 